Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Adam Castor. Here as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you? Fine, Adam. How are you? Doing well. Good. Good. How was your how was your week? I feel like we haven't had to do a once a week recording in like forever. I know. I Weird. feel like I feel like I've gone a month without seeing you as opposed to just a week. Yeah. That's it's uh it definitely is weird. Um, well, also because so much has happened in the week in between us recording last and today. Yes, yes, and definitely more to more to come for sure. But uh, yeah, happy to happy to be here. And uh, just a little programming note for everybody: Basement Talk Podcast will return on Friday. Jake and I will be recording the BTP. And we will have that for you on Friday. So what's it going to be about? Is there, do you have a tease? Um, I know we will be talking about MTV's The Challenge. That's all I know. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's a great show. Wait, is it running? It's running current. What's it about again? It is a competition series. It is yes. Big Brother mixed with Survivor mixed with The Amazing Race. Oh, all mixed into one. Three fantastic programs. Well, I can definitely hear that conversation as it's happening in a boardroom somewhere. It's a fantastic series. Fantastic series. Jake, Jake just started watching it and um, he is now hooked to the program. So him and him and I are now going to have a full length discussion about it. That is just about the only thing that I know we will be talking about and probably talking about the Brooklyn Nets somewhere in there because it is a reform program where we have license to do whatever the hell we want and when that happens usually all roads lead to brooklyn also jake will be petitioning for the new york jets to fire rob sala into the sun that too that too unless they could sign lamar jackson which jets fans i'm sorry that is not going to happen that yeah no aaron Rodgers would be fun though for like a year Except that it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Just just start doing it now. Which would still be fun. I'd be fine with that. I don't know why Jets fans are hating on it. Honestly. I, I'd be totally fine with I'd be fine with Garoppolo or Rogers. And you know, this is not this is so against me, but like Derek Carr, no fucking way. <laughs> At this no, point in his career. No. Derek Carr and Rob Sala that, that that just seems like a disaster waiting to happen. Derek, I don't really see Derek Carr as a New York guy. I don't see Derek Carr meshing with Rob Sala. Whereas with Jimmy G, yes, because he knows Rob Sala. He knows Mike LaFleur. He's a big game player, has played in high pressure spots before, was in New England, was in San Francisco, went into the playoffs with San Francisco. Went to and a Super now, Bowl. He was an overthrow away from winning a Super Bowl in San Francisco. Correct. Correct. And he, he can he can handle New York. He can handle New York. So it just Jimmy Jimmy seems like the guy, and I really don't know why there are Jets fans that are hating on that. I, I really don't. Yeah, me neither. I mean, stability. L- listen, you could talk about ceiling with quarterbacks when you actually have stability at the position. Because at this point, Jimmy Garoppolo is a, is a stable presence in that quarterback room. And honestly, he could do wonders for Zach Wilson as far as like mechanics wise, because his mechanics are pretty good. Me personally, I think Zach Wilson is done in New York and he, and he needs to go as far from New York as humanly possible. I think, I think I honestly, I think the jets need to accept that was a colossal failure and they need to send him to Vegas, Carolina, Houston, wherever, just get, get him out of the building. I don't know. I mean, I still think that there's something there, but I'd still rather. I wouldn't start him next season. What? But what more though? It's acting. Need to say. I don't know. Just something like having a whole off season to reset his. Like something. Something went wrong. Maybe it was the knee that he maybe came back too early from that knee issue that really screwed with his mechanics. I don't know what it is. To be honest with you, 
see, I kind of just don't. I mean, yeah, his, his the the on field stuff is a problem, but the off field stuff, it's just as damaging. Well, he's fine now. It was one press conference. I I don't know if you heard what he said. Well, he said that he's going to make whoever comes in. He's going to make his life hell. He's he's he's, he's going to compete for the job. That's what I read it as. I don't know if I love that. What do you mean? What are you going to say? What would you What would you want him to say? Oh, I'm just going to move over. Say nothing. Okay. It's insinuated, but you don't need to put it out there and make it a public statement. Make it all about you. Well, they asked him the question. So don't talk to the press. Simple. You you have to talk to the press. Don't it's talk pretty, to the press. It's contra- contractually obligated. You, it's a contractual obligation to talk to the press. Or don't say a damn word. Whatever. Lance over the question. I do. I do it all the time. <laughs> okay. It's very easy. It's very really not, very easy. Just it's glance not, <laughs> over the question. Don't say a word. It's not even top ten of worst things Zach Wilson has said at a press conference. It might be. It might be because to to me he comes off as just a pompous ass, and I thought that coming in, and now I feel like he definitely is. Whatever, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, this is the great thing about off, of the, about the off season. We could just go on all the. We already go on tangents anyway, but now we can just go on all the tangents that we. He's want. done in New York. That's. That's the bottom line because Stolen Colt said so. Okay, whatever. Well, anyway, so this we're having a little bit of a mini series here. Uh, that working title we're going to call uh, Fantasy Philosophy, and just talking about different drafting strategies, lineup strategies. Maybe it could be a bit of a debate if Bert and I disagree on something, but really, I'm sure it's. We will. Yeah, well, we Consid- always do. considering how we started this show. Yeah, we we literally always do. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah, it's just gonna be a discussion about strategies heading into next season and things that we think that are kind of either hot button issues or things that are kind of like, oh, should you do should you do it this way? Should you do it that way? That sort of thing, and also trendy strategies like what we're gonna be talking about. Uh, today, which is uh, the zero RB strategy, which honestly, I feel like everybody's going to be going for. So now the picking a running back in the first round is going to be in vogue again, just because of the volume of people that are going to be going and picking receivers and Travis Kelsey in the first round or second round. Well, Adam, as as advertised, we disagree. Well, okay. So I know that last year we all said, oh, you know, we, because we thought that more receivers are going to go in the first round. We did mock drafts where receiver, where we had a couple, like maybe three or four receivers uh, going in the first round. But when we actually sat down in drafts in both of our leagues, I mean, the guillotine is whatever, but in the non guillotine, like it was running backs all the way. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Not for me. Would, not for you. No, I wouldn't say that. I, I, there was a clear discrepancy in my home leagues versus in my expert leagues. A clear, a clear discrepancy. Home leagues, yes. Home leagues, it was very centered on running backs. Um, expert leagues, it was more 50-50. Interesting. Let me see. The it, de- it definitely was more 50-50. Like, I just pull up the ADP from a year ago. I was in a lot of 12 teamers. So you had your, you obviously had your Jonathan Taylor going early, McCaffrey, Eckler, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. But then outside of that, there were a lot of people in 12 team leagues and expert leagues that I was in that were going Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs um, in, in, in round one. And then you had your sprinklings of Travis Kelsey, um, even CD being bumped up. Uh, Tyreek Hill being bumped up as well. And then you did have some of those running backs like Najee, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift that were making it in 12 team leagues back to the middle of round two. So 
in, in, in those leagues, definitely more niche, but in those leagues, there were definitely more receiver heavy, receiver heavy or zero RB approaches. Well, I'm looking at the draft recap for the non guillotine and there was a clear, a lot more people basically split between um, like they picked a receiver in round two and a running back in round one. There were a couple people that picked um, two running backs, but I don't think there's anybody that picked uh, two receivers. So here's how, the, how it went. So Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Cooper Cup, first receiver taken off the board at seven. Just Jefferson right after. Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon. That's your first round in a 10-team league. Then Swift, Jamar Chase, Stefan Diggs, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel, Saquon Barkley, Cam Akers, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen. And that's your second round. Oh, is there, is there is there a point that you're uh, that you're wanting me to make? I mean, with, with zero RB. Well, first, first of all, what I want to do for all the new listeners, and there are definitely new listeners that do listen this time of year, is talking about exactly what zero RB is, and what zero RB is is you commit to not drafting a running back for at least four rounds, ideally. Now. Where zero RB works is if you're not drafting in the top four spots, probably. Like I know this year, like we're, we're going to use this year's um, ADP a lot when talking about this. But then as we get towards, you know, February and March and we have these kind of discussions um, when I am starting to put together my my own ranks for drafts, we'll be able to go off of that. But this year, the top four were all running backs. It was all Jonathan Taylor, it was Christian McCaffrey, Eckler, and Derrick Henry in in any order you want, in any sort of scoring that you want. Um, if you have one, if you had one of those top four picks, it was very hard to turn down one of those running backs this year. It, it was o- almost impossible to do it. But the one uh, team that I will use as an example that I did do a zero RB with, I was at five and that's where I was able to take Justin Jefferson and it ended up working. And that was a, that was a great team. And that was a fun team to use. So instead of drafting the elite to higher end running back options in round one, you're doing the hero RB approach, zero RB, hero RB, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's what we're basically here to to talk about. But then also the thing with zero RB and where I think that the that the difference between the public pool and the expert pool that's different is in the public pool. I would say and I have to be very careful about how I word this. I was about to say you're about you have spent most of the show calling me pretentious. Most of this podcast calling me pretentious. So watch your words. <laughs> no, I be very careful with what I say, but the public don't spend as much time dissecting fantasy content as experts do because we do this for a living. Um, so the general, I, I guess the general knowledge base isn't as strong as it is in, in the expert pool because obviously we spend. Well, I see what you're saying, actually. At- because it's like if you're if you if all you do is consume fantasy content and exactly. pour over ranks, you're going to be more aware of different strategies, and you're going to be expo- more exposed to different ideas and different uh, yeah and different rankings, and especially if you're talking to other people in the industry, or if you're a member of a site like Fantasy Pros, if you're a member of the one percent on Fantasy Pros, and you have uh, access to certain tools where you can kind of see, I don't know if you do, um, that's hearsay on my part, but if you have access to certain tools where you can more easily aggregate rankings and see, and see that sort of thing and take notes. And well, what I, stuff. what I was going to say is actually, it's the complete opposite of that. What I was going to say is with zero RB, 
the the margin for error with it is so minimal because if you go and you take that first receiver in round one, say you took Cooper Cup, say Cooper Cup was your start at zero with your zero RB team, and then you were down Cooper Cup, that team is completely screwed because not only do you have a hole now at your wide receiver one spot, but you also have a hole now at your RB1 and RB2 spots because, well, zero RB, you're automatically leaving yourself prone in those running back positions. And with zero RB as well, it's a lot easier to pull off in PPR because obviously the receivers have more value in in, in full PPR than they do in half and in none. Also, um, if you're in a three-receiver league as well. Uh, even even at a, uh, the, the amount of receivers doesn't really matter. I mean, it's easier to get off of the zero RB in two receivers, sure, but it really comes down to the scoring. It come it comes down to you know, in full PPR, obviously, you know, you have a receiver in round one is going to catch you know nine ten balls a week. Odds are you're start you're starting right there with twenty points, and you're and you're looking really really pretty. Oh, there's more volatility with with the running backs in general. Uh, and obviously we'll talk more about zero RB and, you know, what to do with it, how to do it and potentially, you know, the kind of start that you're, that you're looking for, but just basically the introduction to, to zero RB. But I also wanted to get back to the point that Adam made where I disagree with him from the start in his introduction, where he said that maybe people are going to embrace this more. I agree with that to a point because I think, in expert leagues, it's already being embraced. It's all it's been embraced for years. But I think it's very rare that we see a year, two years in fantasy, where receivers just dominate. And that's what this year was. This year was a receiver dominant season. If we look, if we look at you know the kind of running backs that were out there, sure, you had your Austin Ecklers that were great. You had your Christian McCaffrey that was great. Uh Josh Jacobs, zero RB running back. He was great. Derrick Henry was great. Those guys, for what it's worth, those are the only guys that were over 300 points with the running backs. If you look at the receivers, who was over 300 points? Jeff, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown. And then if you go to tight end, Travis Kelsey as well, who we will be absolutely be talking about Travis Kelsey uh, a bit more in this episode, but then you look at more who just missed. It was, it was AJ Brown. Okay. So there were five receivers that eclipsed 300 points. AJ Brown just missed. He had 299 in, in full. 299.6. So round up 300. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was at 300. Sure. And if you want to put Kelsey in there, Kelsey was, was in there as well, but and one one more point that I also want to make, just touch on this very uh, very quick. Um, outside of the top four with 300 points, you had Barkley at 284 and you had Nick Chubb at 281. After that, the next closest, the RB7, Ramondre Stevenson, he had 249 points. That is a humongous, humongous drop-off. Yeah, also underratedly good season for Ramondre Stevenson, especially since he missed – oh. He didn't miss as much time as I thought. He didn't miss any time, really. But he was always he was hurt for a lot of the year. He would, he didn't miss games, but he was hurt. Well, it also helped that Damian Harris was out for uh, for much of the season. That is true. But um, yeah, I mean that shows you just how deep receivers were this year, and you know the the merits of taking a receiver early because it's like. Like you were saying, there, the margin for error is is higher because it's like, or whatever, or lower, or whatever. Um, where it's like, if you screw up your receiver, like one receiver, you can. There were a lot of good guys out there. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown had a great season. He was being drafted late, uh, late in drafts, mid to late in drafts. Um, Christian Kirk, I know, whatever. Um, Tyrell Lockett, Terry McLaurin, he was dra- drafted in the first ra- first couple of rounds, but um, 
yeah, it was just a like you said, it's a it was a really good uh, year for receivers. For yeah, sure. but those are all guys that you're talking about though that were that were also being drafted in like round three, round three, round four. If you look at if you just start at the top, you know, you start with Justin Jefferson. I could just refer to my zero receiver team, uh, zero RB team. I keep fucking doing that. I don't know why. Uh, my zero RB team. I started off with Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs. Between them, they had over 3,200 yards receiving and 19 touchdowns. It doesn't get much more consistent than that. And that's just me. I mean, you could have started. There are teams out there, I am sure of it, that were able to start their zero RB teams. And I'm sure if I looked, I'd be able to find one in 19 leagues. I'm sure I'd be able to find one that started Tyreek Hill. Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, any combo of those four, just put them into two. So say, let's just say for this exercise, Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, start with those two, and then end up with a Amon Ross St. Brown in round three. And then between those three guys, you have about 4,600 yards receiving and 27 touchdowns. Yeah, that's a lot. And I think also, and we talked about this during the season and even in the pre-draft process where we're, where I was kind of saying, oh, you should pick running backs early because it's such a shallow position, you know, positional scarcity for that. You can get a, you can get a receiver, but we saw that running back as a position, it was so like the, the typical guys that were up there were either injured or they underperformed. So you were almost, you were better off just waiting for a running back because those guys at the top more or less didn't do it for you. Yeah. And and this was, this was the year where if you did do the zero RB, you odds are you were in a, you were in a pretty good spot, but it also comes down to while zero RB, it's a nice way to zig while everybody zags you have to hit on those running backs when they pop and it's a lot riskier of a strategy to be honest. It's a, it's a lot riskier of a strategy because you have to be basically predict the future. You, you, you leave yourself exposed and and you, you have to be able to hit on either the running backs that you draft or when that guy pops up on waivers, you have to be ready to jump and you have to be ready to go and to go and get that guy. Like, Say you were in an eight or a ten man league, and because I, I know he was drafted in 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 twelve, but maybe there's a chance he wasn't drafted in ten, and maybe he wasn't drafted in eight. But like a Jamal Williams who had seventeen touchdowns, yep. You jumped on that guy, or you drafted that guy. Congratulations, you you, you had you had a guy that got you double digit touchdowns, high double digit touchdowns, broke Barry Sanders' Detroit Lions record for touchdowns in a season. You got him basically on a whim. Yep. Well, and that's what it comes down to. It, it comes down to being able to not, not being able to scout out the guys that have the most upside at their respective positions, but it also comes down to luck. I mean, who would have foresaw? Listen, I made a bold prediction about Tony Pollard having more fancy points than Zeke. You did. But did I, act, but did I really fully in my heart of hearts believe that that was going to happen? Not necessarily, but I did think it was going to be close. I didn't think it was going to be this drastic <laughs> as far as uh, fantasy points in full point between Pollard and Zeke. That but that was a difference. Yeah, but that was a great situation. And the same thing with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift was either underutilized or hurt uh, for a lot of the season, and that paved the way for Jamal Williams. And yeah, it is part of it is is luck. Um. Guys like Travis Etienne, who we didn't know anything about because he missed his entire rookie season. And then, you know, the Jags traded away James Robinson to not get used on the Jets. Uh, Kenneth Walker, you got lucky because Rashad Penny got injured. Um, even Jarek McKinnon had a late surge because he's, he's, of, he's the big one. He's the big of, one of some nonsense. <laughs> he was injuries. He was the Rashad Penny. He was the Rashad Penny of this year. Where if you if you had Jarek McKinnon, congratulations, you won a fantasy championship. Or a whisper, Miles Gaskin. Now oh, fuck him. 
Well, he Fuck. had a great he had a great end to twenty twenty, which is why he got drafted where he was drafted in twenty twenty. We don't talk about him. I'm just saying we don't talk about him. Also, the Dolphins guys. Speaking of the Dolphins, both the Dolphins guys, uh, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Um, Jeff Wilson when he was in San Francisco, yes. When yeah. he was in San Fran, yes. Well, San Francisco is another thing. It's another beast entirely because you had Elijah Mitchell going down for most of the year. Jeff Wilson was great. And then they traded for Christian McCaffrey. And yeah. And then when, they, yeah. when Jeff Wilson was traded to Miami, he had two good weeks. I believe it was the first two um, against, I want to say it was Chicago and Cleveland. I think Cleveland Dude. is where he had the, this lone hundred yard game. Um, as a dolphin, and then after after that is when he was banged up, he was hurt, and then they went back to that split with Mostert, and they just kind of ate into each other. But Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson in San Fran, yeah, yeah, he definitely he definitely was worth uh, the plunge, the plunge there. Tyler Algier as well, a very quiet thousand yard season for for Tyler Algier, who uh, we did talk about. Um, because I, I do I do go back and I listen at the end of the year to things that we did before the season and guys that we were talking about. We did talk about uh, Tyler Algier potentially as one of those guys that you can go and target in zero RB. So pat on the back. Go Cougars. But yeah, so. Yeah. I, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but yeah, sure. I, yeah, I mean that that's really that's really it. I mean it's just uh that's the the whole strategy is you obviously you have to be right in your predictions and you know strategic with your with your picks and fantasy, but when you're doing a, a situation like this that's different than it's non-traditional, you just have to put that much more effort into it to make sure that you don't um, screw screw it up or screw yourself over because you're like, well, I could have instead of picking a receiver, I could have had this guy. You know, you don't want to look back on it and say and regret doing a zero your zero RB strategy if you do go that way. Go that way. So let me pull up my zero RB team the way I did it, and um, just kind of give people a baseline for what I did. Um, and then I'll basically highlight the way that it should be done. Um, so what I did with this one team is I went Justin Jefferson in round one. Then I went Stefan Diggs in round two. I went Michael Pittman in round three, which obviously wasn't wasn't all that great. Um, and then I went uh, Terry McLaurin in round four, Chris Godwin in round five, and then my first running back that I took was J.K. Dobbins in round six, followed by Ramondre Stevenson in round seven, Antonio Gibson in round eight, DeAndre Hopkins in round nine, Tony Pollard in round 10. And my first quarterback was Trey Lance. Then round 12, I took a guy by the name of Joe Burrow. Round 13, I took James Robinson, who was, he was okay, um, did his did his job for me. Uh, round 14, I took Cole Komet. Round 15, I took Connor Henry. Round 16, kicker. And then round 17, a defense. That's a way you could do it. You could just fully embrace it and just load up on receivers like I did. And eventually, um, I was able to trade a couple of these guys and get myself uh, a running back to help me down the stretch. Is um, that a three-receiver league or a two-receiver Three-receiver. Okay. Yeah, three-receiver. Well, at that at that point, that's another thing that factors in is, is the math of it where – if you have receivers that are so good, it almost, almost doesn't matter. I think we said this last episode also. It almost doesn't matter who you have at running back because those points are, those points do can work wonders. It balances out. Yes and no. Yes and no. Because you could have three receivers posting 25 points every single week. Great. Awesome. But then in your, if you're running back spot, if you're not getting, if you're getting only 12 points, it's not great. 
That's not great. It basically is the same if you were to go with strong running backs to start and a couple of uh, and a couple of not as good receivers. Yeah, but if you're in a three receiver league, that's it. That's from your receivers or running backs. If it's 25 each and then 12, let's say 12 for each, let's 24 plus 75 is that's 99 points before you start. But then then you go up against the guy that has Christian McCaffrey, that has Saquon Barkley, that then has Amon Ross St. Brown, but then has uh, Mike Evans, and then has stick of another receiver that uh, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. Perfect. Mike Williams. They're 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 getting close to that 90 point threshold with those guys on a weekly basis. Yeah. Well, I mean, with McCaffrey McCaffrey and Eckler. So you have to find, you have to find a running back that is consistently producing for zero RB to legitimately work. Can it work if you have guys that are just meeting the baseline for production? Sure, it can, but it's putting a lot on your receivers because as we, as we see with, with this team, it's not perfect because you had Michael Pittman that wasn't that good you had terry mclaurin that was hit or miss you had chris godwin that was meh and then he, he wasn't even on my team uh for the good chris godwin per usual with uh with, with chris godwin and then i needed to wait until week nine to get my hands on or week seven excuse me to get my hands on deandre hopkins yeah so it as that that team as drafted, I would have been like, "That's a weird." I would not draft that team, just because there's just it's all question marks at the running but, back position. Looking but that's at it, that's a now. zero RB team. I know that's a zero RB team. It's gonna it's gonna be an ugly team to look at, but it takes a lot of TLC and a lot of work and a lot of monitoring the waiver wire and and looking at guys that pop off on a weekly basis. To be able to say, okay, I have to go out and I have to spend X amount of fab to go and get that to go and get that guy. That's another thing too. If you if you're in a fab league with zero RB, your fab is going to be heavily affected pretty quick because obviously you have that set amount to spend for the entire year. But if you if you're zero RBing it and you're not getting as much out of the running back position as you really wanted, but you see a running back that pops off on waivers and you have to go and get that guy, you obviously have to drop a significant more, a significant amount more than the guys that you're going up against to make sure that you get that RB. Otherwise you could be left holding yourself and still stuck with a really good group of receivers, but nothing else at the running back position. So I'm also curious, what did that team finish as? Oh, uh, this like, is a third place team. Okay. But this is a third place team. What's can you read the final roster? If you will, uh, the final roster ended up being Burrow, Najee, Pacheco, Jefferson, Diggs, Dorch, Goddard, Deonta Foreman. I won't even read the, the defense and the kicker. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Michael Pittman, Dak, Rashad White, Darren Waller, J.K. Dobbins, Jeff Wilson, DeAndre Hopkins, Tony Pollard. I mean, that's not bad. You it's made a lot something. Of turnover. Yeah, it is a lot of tur- turnover, but you did make something out of that team. And really... It's not zero RB is not the kind of team where you are like, oh, this team was great. It runs itself. You know, not a lot of teams are like that anyway. But there is you you do have to, like you said, you have to put in a lot of work. Takes to an make, infinite amount of work to make, to make a zero, zero RB team work. This team, this team finished the regular season at eleven and three. Finish yeah. the season finish the season at eleven and three. Um, let me just check the points for and the points against. I mean, points against don't really matter. Uh, and this team put up uh, just over 2,100 points. Yeah, and that's not bad. And that's you just really have good. to – yeah, that's exactly. Really that's a really you, good return. You have to not be afraid to make trades. You have to be aggressive in in making moves if you're going to be – I mean, I guess you kind of – you probably already are if you're even thinking about doing a zero RB thing. Um, but you have to really put in the effort – to make that team it's it's a fixer upper as far as teams go. Yeah, it's a project. It's a project that takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort. The trading thing, you can get away without making a single move in, in zero RB 
you don't have to make any specific trades. You just got to be all over the waiver wire and you have to be able to find guys that you could plug and play uh, give it weeks. I mean, I, I, I won't do it, but I mean, if I were to go through just from week one until now, I could definitely guarantee that each and every week I had different levels of running backs that were, that were starting for me for sure. And if you're in, if you're in leagues where you're allowed immediate pickups, it's so important that when you hear about, Oh, um, I don't know, say this was one that happened this year. So I'll I'll just use this one as an example. Alvin Kamara won't play and it's 10 o'clock on a Sunday. You'd be able to run to the waiver wire, pick up Mark Ingram and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to start Mark Ingram and come hell or high water. Those are the points I'm going to take. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, I mean, it's one it's one that happened this year, and that's 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 just an example. But it, it like Adam said, it, it definitely takes it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time, um, but it's also fun. It's also fun, and then and I know, I know for me, um, I I get joy out of sweating and grinding things out fantasy. So having to really nurture this team and put it together, it was my, it was my most fun team that I had this year. By a lot. And I said it week in, week out on, on this podcast. I talked about this team constantly because it was it, this was my baby. This was my baby of a team that I just decided, you know, what, I'm just going to divert. I'm going to take guys that I want. I'm going to try out zero RB and I'm going to see how it works. And it was my most fun team that I had. Yeah. And I think also uh, as as advice, just if you are really thinking about it and you probably are going to do this anyway, but just do like all the mock drafts in the world and really like once rankings come out so you can really have a plan for where, for what receivers you're targeting. And obviously when you get into the draft, shit happens where, you know, they might not be there, but um, just so you have an idea of who's available. Yeah. Box mocks are pretty important with this and it's not necessarily following exactly what you have to do and not going into a mock and being like, all right, I'm, I'm picking it five. I'm going to start with Justin Jefferson. Then around two, I'm going to go pick up Stephon Diggs. No, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be robotic about it, but at least get an idea. Like Adam said, of just knowing who's going to be there, who who's in the area that you could go and you could, you could choose to, to make this team, uh, sort of work. So uh, what I did essentially was I put together how I would do it in a perfect world of how I would be drafting for zero RB. Obviously in this league, I wasn't able to do it because the guy that we talked about earlier, who I'm going to mention in just a minute um, was not available for me to do it. Um, so obviously in round one, is you need that stud that stud receiver and you know the saying you can you can't win your league in round one but you could most certainly lose it like i said before you have to be able to hit on it you have to be able to nail that first round pick with your receiver if you're not if you're not nailing it then odds are your team is completely screwed and that's it um it doesn't necessarily apply in Superflex because I know we have a lot of people um, that listen to this podcast that are that do Superflex. Superflex is, is definitely different um, because I feel like you definitely want a more well-balanced team in addition to the extra quarterback that you're going to have. And there are more options that you could definitely go with in Superflex. Plus um, quarterbacks are going in round one in Superflex. So it kind of... Uh, it, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, I saw a team that was in a championship this year that didn't draft a quarterback until round seven in Superflex, and their two starting quarterbacks were Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones. Both well, works for them. I mean, Daniel Jones, you know, with the rushing upside for him. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. yeah so, it, but that also requires you heading on those on on those quarterbacks for sure. And then the third quarterback that the guy had as well, uh, for all those that are wondering, was Jared Goff. So he he managed to hit on three on three quarterbacks right there. Um, ideally with that round one pick though, you want, you want a receiver that's going to have two things, high volume, safe floor. And the guys coming into this year that were that were Cooper cup and Justin Jefferson. Those are the two guys that you were targeting 
in round one if you were really going to go and do this. Number two, round two, you want that elite tight end. And I listened to a podcast literally last night that Jake and I did, and we walked through this. And Jake said this, and he was 100% right then. He's 100% right now. You need that elite tight end if it's going to work. I, I shouldn't say that. You, you don't necessarily need it, but you want it. You you want it pretty bad. And if you can get your hands on a Travis Kelsey, where you're starting with that super stud receiver and Travis Kelsey, whew, that's that's a heck of a start. That's a heck of a start. I uh, think number- about where we started when we did the tra- the famous Travis Kelsey mock. Because I don't know, did we do receiver and then Travis Kel or Travis Kelsey and then a receiver? I have to go back and see if I can find it, but I, that sounds right. Is that but, we did receiver and then Travis Kelsey? I think no. Well, we did Travis Kelsey in the first round, or we did Travis was, Kelsey then receiver. I I yeah. kind of think what we did was Travis Kelsey and Devontae Adams. That's absurd. <laughs> I think that's that that sounds right. I don't know. I don't know why, but it sounds right. Um, we'll, have to, we'll have to listen to it. But I think also, I mean, that's a good sure. point that you make about not reaching for a tight end if you can help it. I think that that is what you're trying to say, right? When you're like in a way, in a way, yes, but in a way, in a way, no. Because coming in is it reaching the, if it's Travis Kelsey is the is the real question. Well, I mean, if it's if it's Travis Kelsey coming into the year, people were gonna say, yeah, maybe at the at the top end of round two was a bit of a reach, but now going into next year, no, people are not going to say Travis Kelsey in the early part of round two is a reach, not at all. But coming into the year, yeah, I think people would have said maybe that Travis Kelsey top end of round two would have been a reach. But if you're going with this approach, it's one you have to have, and you reap the, you reap the rewards of it, especially if you went Jefferson and Kelsey. <laughs> Good for you. Um, and then round three, what I ideally want to do is I want to find a wide receiver two with significant upside. Uh, those guys that I was looking at would be like Jalen Waddle, uh, AJ Brown, um, who else? Amon Ross St. Brown. Those those were three of my favorites um, in, in that range. I didn't end up getting any of them. Um, but you want to find someone that you could go with a safe wide receiver too. But it kind of defeats the purpose. You want to find someone that can push into the stratosphere of being that locked and loaded other wide receiver one that you have on your team. And if you were drafting as such, and you did get yourself that AJ Brown, that Amara St. Brown, Jalen Waddle, even Amari Cooper, but Cooper wasn't really going in that round three range. He was going more round five, round six. Maybe um, the Bucks guys, were they going, they were going pretty high, right? They were going in like round three, round four. Um, because Godwin was coming into the year and he was hurt and there were questions about whether or not Godwin was going to start the year on time. So that hurt his draft stock, but the, th- the three immediately that, that, that just jump off the page were AJ Brown, I'm on our St. Brown and Jalen Waddle. Those were the three that I said immediately. I remember wanting to go and get those guys. And then around four quarterback, 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 go get yourself one of the big boys, go get yourself that Josh Allen, go get yourself that Patrick Mahomes. If either one of those guys aren't there, then you continue to build on that receiver. Go get another receiver that has that significant upside. Try and go find that guy that you could plug and play as that wide receiver three. And then in round five, what I would be doing is going and get another receiver that you can potentially play with to go in and out with that receiver that you drafted in rounds in either round three or in round four. If you don't get one of those top tier quarterbacks, obviously if you get, a receiver in round four than the guy you're drafting in round five. You're just having compete with that guy in round four. Um, But then in round six, round six is when you start looking at those running backs. And, and some of the guys that I had uh, listed down on my zero RB sheet that I made before the year uh, guys that I was looking at in that round six range were miles Sanders, uh, Rashad Penny, Kareem Hunt, uh, then you get into round seven, round eight. You had Melvin Gordon, Tony Pollard. Round nine, you had Alexander Madison, uh, Jamal Williams. Round 10, I had J.D. McKissick down, Ramondre Stevenson down. So that was a big hit with Ramondre Stevenson. Then round 11, I had Naeem Hines and Damian Pierce down. Round 12, James Cook I had down. Mark Ingram I had, I had down. 
So it's just kind of a way to this is kind of a way to to necessarily think about it. Um, again, you don't have to follow it to the letter, but you could go and do different things with it. But you don't necessarily want to be drafting or running back too early. The number one thing with zero RB is you don't panic. You have to you have to embrace the fact that you're going to be thin at, at running back. And if you can't embrace that and you can't embrace that you're going to be thin at running back or thinner compared to your competition, then zero RB is not for you. It is not for me. Cause I don't think I would be, I don't think I have the, I don't think I have the stomach, I guess for it. I don't know. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy about it. It works. I'm not knocking people that do it, but it's just not, not for me. Which is fine, but yeah, it's a bunch of lottery tickets. And if you're, if you were drafting zero RB this year, you got a whole bunch of them: Stevenson, Pollard, Pierce, Tyler Algier was another one. And then another thing also that I want to point out is going after other teams' handcuffs. That's humongous in this. Where that's true, and then you could just hold those handcuffs either for ransom or if they do well for you, then. That's gravy. Exactly. Exactly. Hold them, for, hold them for ransom. And if they could trade them, great. If you can't and you hold on to them, hope that, that guy gets hurt. And that's it. I think the, the most popular handcuff going into the year, and we mentioned we mentioned him, was Alexander Madison. Because if Dalvin Cook, if they believe he missed four games in 2021, and he missed – how many games did Dalvin Cook miss this year? Was it two? I want to say off the top of my head, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, he missed. He didn't miss any games this year. Nope. Yeah, he played he left, every single one. He left a bunch of them, but he at least started every single game this year. Um, but that was one of the most popular handcuffs out there. But well, going this into year, next, going into next year, I mean, some of the guys you can be going and targeting are uh, your Elijah Mitchells, Jamal uh, Williams. Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is, gonna, is just going to be drafted so high next year, and uh, that's actually been one of the New Year's resolutions that I had for that episode was just don't draft any Detroit Lions running back. That's that's going to be a mess. Um, oh, I'm but, not going to forget that. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell would be one. Uh, Shad White is going to be another one. Samaje P. Ryan is going to be another one. AJ Dillon, if he's back, um, isn't AJ Dillon a free agent this year? Is he a free agent? I'm not sure. I feel like I feel like he has one year left on his rookie deal. That could be that could be wrong. I know Alan Lazard is is done based on the interview that he gave. No, he's got one more year. Oh, he does have one more year. Wait, yeah, he's got one more year. Oh, one more year, and then he is an he is an unrestricted free agent, so he'll be back. Whether Aaron Rodgers will be back, that's that's another thing. Uh, oh, I was it, thinking it, of uh, Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a free agent. He's going to go somewhere. He's going to get a lot of money to be a running back. <laughs> that's going to be an interesting one is Jamal Williams now. That wrinkle. Oof. Also, just running back free agency in general. I mean, looking at these guys that are free agents. Uh, There's a lot upcoming, of Saquon Barkley, Kareem Hunt, Jamal Williams, Josh Jacobs. Uh, David Montgomery, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. Um, I think those are the big guys that are. Oh, well, Damian Harris is a free agent also, but I don't know. Our favorite guy, Marlon Mack, is a free agent. Tony Pollard is a free agent. Do you think Dallas brings him back? (laughs) Uh, I think they, I think they franchise tag him. Yes. I think they, they franchise tag him and they probably let Dalton Schultz walk. Oh, yeah. They is did. Devin Singletary your free agent by any chance? Um, it doesn't look like it. I can go back to Buffalo. I'm yeah, I just, I, th- that is just me asking. I'm 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 genuinely oh, he, he, curious. Yes, he is. Oh James Cook. Oh James Cook. Oh, that's that's PG. That, that's peachy. They don't show it as uh, overalls and Madden, so it's not in any particular order. I don't know what order it is. It's in actually. Oh, that's it's beautiful. in the AAV, like 2022 AAV. That's the order that's in. Um, that's that's beautiful. 
That's miraculous. That's miraculous stuff. Um, I don't know, Adam. Is there is there anything else that you um, that you want to extra that you want to throw in? Um, as far as like zero RB stuff, I mean, we kind of covered a lot of a lot of the intricacies of how it yeah. goes. Yeah, but... it, it it just comes down to preference. Also, I mean, I I, I laid out how I would do it, but there's no. There's no right or wrong for how you do it. The only right and only wrong is just how long you commit to not drafting a running back. That's it. Yeah. And don't, I guess one thing, like don't feel like you're behind the curve. If you're not, if you're not comfortable doing zero RB uh, heading into next year, because you're not, you're still probably going to get good players in the draft. Um, And especially if, uh, people are going to be picking uh, receivers early. If 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 let's say half your league is doing zero RB, that just increases the quality of running back that you're going to be getting. If you are not doing zero RB, in every every uh, every action, ha- it's Isaac Newton quoting Isaac Newton. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> uh, where if half of your league is going zero RB, I'm begging you do not go zero RB. Yeah, please don't because you're not going to get any you it's not going to go well for you. Pick a running back. Yeah, read yes. the room. Read the room. <laughs> Correct. Correct. When when you're doing that. Um but just yeah. There there're knock on effects to players getting picked. One player getting picked means another player is not getting picked, obviously. So use that to your advantage if you if you see that happening in your league. So don't try and uh you know be steadfast in your in your decision making. Be confident in your decision, whatever decision it is, whatever drafting strategy it is. You know, own it and go in with a plan. You cannot do zero RB on a whim. Nope, you really can't. Unless, of because, course, you do it for a living. Well, <laughs> even then, uh, Adam, I went I went in zero RB last year with this with this league. I went in on a whim. It was my it was my last draft. My last draft, I was like, I am not preparing for this. I am done. I am just doing this. So help me God. Well, I mean, you already had the experience of being in like 18 other drafts where you're like, you have an idea of where players are going. So right. that that's right. preparation in and of itself. Very niche. I know. Fantasy you drafting have, is you have a to go test. with a plan. Uh, fantasy drafting is a test takers test where the only way to prepare for it is to just go and, and do it over and over and over again. Do your box, look at your ranks. It's the most important thing too. And we'll talk about this. We'll say it a million more times from now until August. Look at your ranks emphasis on your, your ranks. I say it to people every year. You know what you're doing when you're going off of what you feel is best. Not what somebody else says is best. What you feel is best. If you want to go off of somebody else's ranks, do it. Because I understand that not a lot of people have a lot of time to put ranks together. I know it's a very um, expansive um long aggravating process you get it believe me um but there is no better way to go into a draft than to have your own ranks in front of you to know what you're doing to know that you're going off of what you think is best not when somebody else thinks is best where at the end of the day if you win you're winning because of your own head and if you lose you lose because of your own head and you're able to adjust and make changes where you see fit. Yep. And I will say that a million more times throughout the offseason, but that's just time number one. Make right. your own damn ranks. Well, this has been fun. Excited to talk about our next topic next week. And um, yeah, we're definitely going to make this into a mini series. We always hint that we're going to have these off-season shows where we, you know, have philosophical debates and like talk through strategies. And here we are. We're doing it. Well, this is the time to do it.
Yep. This is definitely the time to do it. And then we'll still uh, we'll still be probably going through stuff from the season. Um, you know, looking at things that were from the season, actual players, things we uh regretted, things we uh wish we could have done differently, changes that we would make, whatever. Um and then pretty quickly, I would say, you know, as we get towards mid-February, early March is when we start looking ahead towards next year and definitely we'll be able to really start analyzing next year once NFL free agency starts and I believe it's the first or second week of March. Um, and then once we get there and we're doing that, it'll be NFL draft coverage time. And then once we get to draft oh, yeah. coverage and doing all that, will be draft in at the end of April. And then once the draft is done, it's all systems go. It's all systems go. And it's going to fly. It it is going to fly. Full throttle. Yeah. Remember where we are right now. Remember where we are. We're all talking about the season that was, and we're all thinking about changes that we would have made and, and things we could have done differently. You know, all, all that, all that nonsense. We are about a month away from the Super Bowl. Yep. Just just remember that. Remember that when we are sitting on on our couches when we're watching the Super Bowl on February 12th that oh wow, we had this conversation a month ago. Yep, it it flies. It does. April, it does. April to August is a is a quick, quick couple of months. I mean, January to April is just a quick couple of months. We have playoffs now, Super Bowl in February, free agency in March, the draft in April, and then May, full swing of doing fantasy. Yep, because you have rookie drafts in Dynasty that are happening in yep. May. In June. Yep. Mostly May. Because I I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, know. it's usually right after the NFL draft. So it's usually the weekend after. What are we gonna do with Dynasty League? Bird? Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so much work. I'm sure be, Never. being a commissioner for a Dynasty League is like a hundred times the amount of work that being a commissioner for a redraft league is. Yes. Yes. And I I, I would not be able to handle the people that do a dynasty league draft the team, the team sucks and then want to be out of the league. If someone wants to run a dynasty league of their own and they want to invite us by please, by all means, but am I commissioning a dynasty league? Absolutely not. That is where I put my foot down. That's fair. Plus we already have the guillotine, which has been wildly successful. Yes. I love it. A, a rousing success. Yeah. Even if I didn't like, you know, make it to all the way to the championship game, I feel like I would still love it because it's just a fun concept. They, yeah, that was a great time. That was a great time. And we'll absolutely have that back next year without a doubt. Yeah. The worst part of it was the draft for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. The, the worst <laughs> draft of all time. And before, before you even ask Adam, no, we will not be doing that draft on a podcast. Absolutely not i did that draft in a hotel in Kanab, utah which is in which is basically on the border of utah and arizona i'm surprised i got i had enough reception for how long that draft was i can't say where i did that draft but let let's just say it was a painstaking process <laughs> it, was, it was it was a lot i was like i was knee deep in friends reruns by round like nine and i was like when is this gonna be over this is the worst that's how i felt that is exactly how i felt yep you know maybe next week we could talk about um not just you know guillotine leagues and leagues like them but just you know playing around with rules and you know lineup spots and you know team leagues that do like double flexes instead of kickers and defenses sure uh super flex in general you know that sort of thing 
We could do sure. that. Yeah, that works for me. That's fun. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basic Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcast. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I am Adam Castor, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>